Welcome to Pixel Pizza. Did she say pizza? Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza Power! That's right, when Super Giant Pizza. I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, ham, pepperoni. Hey, where's my pizza? Pizza time. Welcome back to Pixel Pizza, my friends. A bit of a late episode this week. It's launching on a Saturday rather than a Wednesday or a Thursday. That is because I am recording two episodes this week. The first one was with an upcoming guest. I won't spoil. They have a game that is coming out and they had some announcements about that game that are not yet ready to be revealed. So, for those reasons, I cannot post the episode until later in June, but it's going to be a really cool one, and I am excited for you guys to hear it and stay tuned on that one. But this week, you are not going hungry for Pixel Pizza. We have an equally fantastic, awesome, hilarious guest you won't want to miss, and that is Ruby Innes from Kautaku, Australia. You may recognize her last name because she is the sister of our beloved Jake Innes of Game & Cult podcast fame. So this one is going to be an awesome podcast. Hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, let's go to our first song of the episode from our chiptune artist of the week, BC Likes You. And I like you too. I like BC as well. And the track is called Vector Grid Wrath. So let's hit that one. See you soon. I know now that my wife has become host to a Kandarian demon. I fear that the only way to stop those possessed by the spirits of the book is in the act of bodily dismemberment. Welcome back to Pixel Pizza. You just listened to the track Vector Grid Wrath by our artist of the week, BC Likes You. And now we are here with our highly anticipated guest, 
for the episode. She was a co-host on the aforementioned Gaming Cult podcast, and she has been thriving as a writer for Kotaku Australia. This is Ruby Innes. How you doing, Ruby? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, Jared. How about you? I'm doing fine. I'm finally 100% over COVID, which my listeners... Yeah, shit. How was... Covered. Sorry. Can I cuss? Yeah, you can cuss. Okay. <laughs> I always have to make sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's all good. How, how are you feeling? Uh, so much better. I was housebound for like two weeks and I was coughing and hyperventilating and it was the worst. Oh, God. So. Yeah, I had it. God, when did I have it? I had it uh, like earlier this year, I think in April or March. No, no, it was earlier than March because it was before my sister's birthday because my sister got it on her birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, She was super bummed about it because it was her 18th and she was like, I can't believe I'm getting COVID on my 18th birthday. This is the worst day of my life. I'm like, that is really sad. However, she, at the same time, like, I love her. She's an, she's an absolute schemer. Uh, (laughs) She'll, uh, she, she was like, oh, like, this is woe is me. This is the worst. Like I got COVID on my birthday, my 18th birthday. I'm like, that does suck. That, that like sucks super much, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's yeah. so bad, but like, then she would kind of walk around the house and like, we had all had COVID. So we were all immune. She'd walk around the mm-hmm. house being like, I don't even feel that sick. I feel super like fine. I don't feel sick at all. I feel normal. Um, But then when she like needed something, she's like, Ruby, can you please get this for me oh. from the other room? I have COVID. I'm so sick. And I'm like, you, I heard you like five minutes ago yeah. like, being like, this is, this is not as bad as what everybody's talking about. I know people like that. She's, she's a schemer, but I love her. Yeah. Kind of love her for it. I, I admire it. Yeah. Yeah. I got to respect the hustle. <laughs> So I like to start off my show by asking the question, when did you know you wanted to work in games? Oh, gosh. Well, the thing is, it's like uh, there was a, a kind of brief period of my life where I wanted to get into game design. Um, and I think it was once I realized that it was a viable option at uni. Um, like I, I didn't, before I went to uni, I didn't know that there were actually any courses to get into game design. Um, and I was like, oh, oh that's so cool. Uh, cause I've been playing games ever since I was born almost like, uh, Zach and Jake, my brothers, they, uh, were playing games when they were kids. And then I was born and, you know, a controller got chucked in my hand and away <laughs> we go. But like, I I'd always had video games in my life and then uh, the thought of making them was really, really cool. Um, and then uh, I ended up not going down that path because I was like, actually, uh, I am bad at this. <laughs> I'm not good at this. <laughs> I'm bad at it. And uh, uh, I think that there are people that could do a lot better of a job on it than I could. Uh, so I, I, I scrapped that plan and just kept playing video games for fun. And then I started getting into media stuff through uni. I started doing my radio show. I started doing gaming call. Um, and like, 
you know, still had this love for games, but also was just desperate to talk about it. Cause I love to mm. chat. Like I love talking and I love, uh, one of my big time favorite things is like recommending games to my friends. Cause they'll be like, Oh, I just finished playing, uh, animal crossing new horizons. I simply cannot play more than 500 hours of that game. Do you have anything else I could play? And I'm like, Oh, cool. This is, this is, this is, it's like, it's, it's very exciting to me. I love doing that. Um, I can't so- tell you how many albums, games, TV shows, that I started getting into because of like all you guys' recommendations on Game of Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're big media heads. Like we, we've been playing games ever since we were kids. And then like, it's cool because uh, Zach, Jake and I took such kind of different routes in terms of what media we enjoy. Mm. Like, uh, which was just really neat. And like Zach gets super interested into very specific things. And Jake has this like, really cool coverall but like in-depth knowledge of uh incredibly niche things which is like awesome and uh then little old me like my specialty is fucking uh two-hour gameplay pixel games like (laughs) just like little bits and pieces and random stuff that i find online and just i i i love it and then and then the mixture of that is uh games that flopped despite actually being quite good so it's like it's uh, like I've put so many friends specifically onto Nino Kuni 2, which oh. they didn't even know came out. Yeah. And like, it's such, it's like one of my favorite games of all time. Like I loved the first one, but the second one had so much that you could do without it feeling like there was too much going on. And so when I would like tell my friends about it, I'm like, please play this game. If I ask you to play anything, it's this one. I mean, I all, all I, I ask them all to play Undertale because I'm a crazy person. Um, and I'm like, if I have to live in my shame of being a, you know, huge, sad Undertale fan, then so do you. All my friends have to play this game, okay? Um, but, like, I was getting into media, you know, doing radio and, and podcasting and stuff. Um, and in terms of video game media in particular, you know, I'd been doing gaming cult for a while. I'd started doing like video game stories and recommendations on my radio show um, while also being a a big loud freak on Twitter. Um, And then I was approached about the Kotaku Australia job and um, I didn't even, (laughs) like, this is going to sound horrible. I didn't even know it was going. Like I I didn't know it was a job that was being offered until they hit me up being like, hey, would you be interested in applying? And I was like, oh, that sounds really, really cool. And like right up my alley. And like, it's funny because not long before, I'm going to say like a year before that I applied uh, through like an audition reel for uh, like a hosting job on a video game show um, on the ABC, our local uh, our national broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, look, I think I did a really good job. I think I was fun and funny and I showed that I was into games, but I think what got me not over the line was the fact that it was an audition reel for like a children's, it's, it's like aimed at kids. Oh, okay. And I thought that it would be funny. I look back and I realized that probably whoever watched that probably was like what why would she say that um 
I, uh, you had to do like a news report, like a video game news report uh-huh. um, on, on something that's actually happened. So I did, uh, uh, you know, the, the Victorian government has put more funding into like local made indie games. And then once I was done with that, I was, I was like in my head, I'm like, now it's time for a silly one. Yeah. And it's it, in my eyes, it's always time for a silly one. Like you should always, you should always do a silly one if you're going to have a serious one, you know, yeah. like soften the blow. So I, um, and my, my boyfriend at the time, uh, helped me with all the editing and stuff, which was great. Like we had a green screen. It was awesome. Uh, he helped with the editing of the funny one. And, um, I did a, a breaking news report, uh, that, Donkey Kong had died from complications <laughs> with diabetes. Oh no! And um, and I and I and I said like, "Donkey, we're Konging with you." And then it ended, and like, and I never got a call back. I never got a call back, mm-hmm. and I look back and I'm like, "Hmm, maybe maybe I should have done something different." Yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining like, the focus group of little kids hearing that and judging you and crying when they heard Donkey Kong. They're Kong. crying. They're like, I can't believe Donkey Kong's yeah. dead. <laughs> well, I just, I like, and, and I don't know what I was, but like, I look back now and I'm like, that's classic comedy. Like, and I feel like it's a good representation of like what I do now at Kataka Australia. Cause like, there is a lot of reporting on things that are happening in the industry. Um, and whatnot but like sometimes I've got free time and there's no news and so Mm -hmm. I just I have to I have to write something and so I'm like I'm gonna do I'm gonna find something so stupid and I'm gonna write some absolute doo-doo garbage about it um and it's it's fun yeah like I read that one you did recently about like the Embracer group acquisition (laughs) you were just asking where's Gex Okay, everybody's talking about Deus Ex and Tomb Raider and yada, yada, yada. But you know what? There were hints at a new Gex game coming out not that long ago. And, and there have been uh, whispers about Gex. There have been little little bird chirps about Gex going around <laughs> for a while now. And suddenly the Embracer group comes along and buys all Square Enix's Western Studios and nobody wants to talk about Gex. Mm. nobody wants to talk about guests so i'm brave yeah i am i am a brave soldier laying down my life to talk about gex because everybody else didn't want to talk about gex. a hero to geckos everywhere exactly especially geckos that love television <laughs> that's right <laughs> so but I want yes to- uh oh. I, I think i didn't probably answer the question but basically, I just got offered the job, uh, well, off, got offered to apply, and I was like, why not? And it was kind of just like, I be- the bottom line is I fell into it. I fell into my job, much like I've always just fallen into video games-related media, which I love because I'm a clumsy person. So, like, it's unsurprising that I just trip and fall into games media. But, like, I mean, to be fair, I'd also been working for five years on radio and, and doing the podcast for even longer. But like the answer to that question is uh, it was on accident, but also exactly uh, 
what I wanted to do because I love talking about games all the time. Yeah, sometimes the answer has been staring you in the face the whole time. You don't even know. Exactly. So anyway, please go on. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, how did you feel like you developed your voice as a writer, your sense of humor that you bring to your articles? So I think it's a mixture of things because I've kind of, I've come from a lot of different uh, parts of like the, the creative world. Like I think, I think a really big part of my work at Kotaku is um, my art my drawings and stuff like I I bring a lot of that in and that started you know when I was a little baby kid started drawing but then I was doing my comics just before I started working at Kotaku and like uh like that's a big part of you know what I do there but also like I think when it comes to like how I developed my writing style and stuff it's like I, I I was writing in like sketch comedy performances for like three years before that and had been doing kind of goofy silly writing here and there in between and uh then just with radio and with the podcast like I kind of developed a very like conversational tone in my writing because I had to because I was going to be saying it out loud on air so like the the way I write is the way I talk and when it came to uh doing writing for Kotaku because uh, I mean, Kotaku Australia, I feel like Kotaku US is the same, um, but uh, Kotaku Australia in particular, their writing is very conversational and very like something is, it's like you'd be reading a message from a friend that, that, you know, has, has correct grammar and punctuation um, and is passed by an editor, but like reading a message from a friend telling you about something that's happened recently and mm. putting a little fun, goofy spin on it. And like, I feel like that's come from just like uh, me dipping my toes in so many different like creative and media mediums because I'm never satisfied with doing just one thing at any given time. Uh, Cause I need to fill my time up at all times, or I'm stressed about how much time I have, but at the same time, I'm also stressed about how much time I do not have. So constantly stressed. Uh, but you know, at the same time, I can't imagine it any other way. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I mean, in my experience, I did do some, uh, journalism for a while and I felt like I sort of had to bend over backwards to adapt to like the brand voice that yeah. like a site or two was going for. They wanted it to be like, you know, little like snarky and biting. And that's not like my natural way of doing well, things. A, me neither. Like I'm I, like, look, not to, not to, you know, toot my own horn, but I'm a little sweetie. Like I, I'm, I'm yeah. nice, you know, like, and I, I try and be nice and spread positivity and, and stuff like that. And like, it's, uh, there are times where I feel like it's expected for for me to bite back be a little bitchy and like some like I'll do that every now and then but like I my my writing because like I was I was I my degree uh is in radio and through that had to do like a lot of journalism stuff and it was all very like uh formal writing and that was just absolutely not 
my bag at all. <laughs> like I can do formal writing. I just don't enjoy it. You know, like I, f- I find no joy in, in uh, doing uh, like, I don't want to say serious journalism because the, you know, it's, it's discounting what video games journalism is. It's like, I think, I think every video games writer has a different tone. Um, and some are really good for, for very specific types of stories. And like me, I, uh, I know, I know who I am. I'm a goofy guy and I'm very nice. And the way that I talk about things is very, uh, very casual. And that's exactly the type of vibe I'd like to give off all the time, but it's hard as well, because I think there's like this expectation of like, Oh no, we need to, uh, take, video games seriously and take video game journalism seriously. Mm. Thank you, Zach. No, all right. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think there's this expectation and, and it's true because like, there's so many things happening in the industry that need to be taken seriously. Yeah. I sure. don't doubt that for a second, you know, it's uh, like, like every story calls for a different tone is, is basically the big thing. And like, I think every writer brings a different tone to it and uh, that's fantastic. And I think having that kind of uh, diversity is really important because then you're getting, you're getting the whole story uh, even when like people will bring up little tidbits that other people won't because maybe it's a little too silly for the article, but sometimes reality is silly. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. so basically what I'm saying (laughs) is like, I, uh, I I value all types of video game journalism, um, but when it comes to me talking about games, I love games because they are fun and they make me happy. So all I want to do is write in a way that is fun and makes people happy. Yeah, that's, that's good. Staying true to yourself. And you've yeah. also gotten to develop like a few of your own recurring article series. I know you have your recommend series and the Scribble Taku. Uh, could you talk a little bit? Yeah. About <laughs> um, well, my Ruby recommends, uh, uh, I was about to say segment. I'm so used to radio. <laughs> my, my Ruby recommends series came from, uh, I love YouTube. I, I love YouTube. I think it is one, it, it is the best streaming platform uh, out of all of them. I think it is uh, such an incredible platform where people can, make their own shit like and 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 uh be their own boss you know like whatever like, like it's it they can they can talk about the most niche like uh uh small things and make them feel so big and oh. and interesting and i think that's so cool you know and like with the video game side of youtube in particular you know you've got people doing let's plays and they are masters in their craft or they're really bad at it but it's funny to watch like it's that there's there's the let's play side and then there's my personal favorite which is like the critical analysis side and then Mm. just like the deep dives into games that uh you've never heard of or got uh got cancelled or were uh released but then it turns out they had a bunch of stuff that was unreleased like just i love video game essays Oh. Uh, and and all like deep dives, all I love it. And there are so many really good creators uh, on YouTube that are doing that stuff. And I think it's the thing with like video games in particular is like 
you're not gonna see that many uh like professionally uh produced and like you know like 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 hollywood levels and 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 uh you know made by the bbc anything like that you're not gonna see stuff like that uh based on like a character from a sonic game that you know never ended up appearing in the game and why is that and what have we found from a data mine like you're not going to find a documentary like that uh made by anybody but like maybe one person in their room working on it for days weeks even like it's 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 cool because like it, it allows people to have this kind of like uh outlet to talk about their niche in a way that uh makes someone who normally wouldn't be very interested in it incredibly interested in it you know and that's why I love YouTube and I love the video game side of YouTube and uh so with Ruby Recommends I was like there are so many creators that I feel like uh people haven't heard of that you know they're releasing this great stuff that I'd love to you know put out there and show off because and like that that being said like I've also you know uh, one of my Ruby recommends was uh, people make games video and people make games are huge. Like, but sometimes it's literally just like, it's, it's, I feel like it's the general tone of like what I do in general. It's like, obviously I'm not out here trying to make like toxic parasocial relationships, but I'm, I'm, I approach uh, my writing like I'm a friend, you know, and like I'm I'm recommending you a game or I'm talking about something that happened recently in the games industry. And uh, with Ruby Recommends, it's like, oh, I saw this really cool YouTube video. You should watch it. It's three hours long. <laughs> like it's it, like I just love doing it, you know, like and and it's the th- and as, at the same time, like I don't think I'm like this, this, you know, absolute pariah who's like, uh, uh, sh- you know, helping the little guys. I'm the best. Like, no, it's literally just me going. This, co- this is a cool YouTube video. You should watch it <laughs> because it's like I need to tell somebody about it, and now I've got a job where I can. Right. Um. And then Scribble Taku is like a. It's like an uh. It. So it's an old Kotaku thing that started like in, in the the early days of Kotaku Australia, and it's kind of just been like passed down ever since. Um. And it went away for a bit uh, and I was really bummed about it because I'm like, well, it's Skibletaku, like it's fun. Like, and I draw. So like I wanted to find some other way to bring my drawings into into the website because like I was doing, you know, like featured images for some some articles and I was doing whole articles that were surrounded by my silly drawings. But like having like a regular thing means that I can keep, you know, keep practicing and, and keep drawing and having fun. And uh, Scribble Taku was kind of perfect for that. So I brought it back. I originally brought it back uh, and tried to do this thing where I would draw uh, either like video game characters or like celebrities related to video games or just like uh, celebrities related to pop culture because I think the first one I did was Werner Herzog um I would draw their face onto Kirby's body (laughs) and it was fun for me like because it was really silly like I just draw this hyper realistic face on the you know the soft round body of Kirby and it got to a point where I think one commenter was like this is getting kind of boring like Mm -hmm. you're just drawing 
a very obvious face onto Kirby's body. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, it hurts a little, but at the same time, I'll take it as constructive criticism and I will figure something else out. And so that's when I started doing uh, two panel comics as Scribble Taku. And basically people have to guess uh, what the game is based off of the comic. And like the vast majority of the time people get it right, mm. but every now and then they won't, nobody will guess it. And it's like, it sometimes like the last time nobody guessed it, it was a really big game, but I just feel like I was too vague. It was journey. And like, I drew like a picture of, a, you know, it was a guy wearing a red cape and it was, uh, you know, in the dunes and I, uh, he honked. He did like a musical honk because oh, in my right. mind in journey, you would honk right. like the other players. Right. Yeah. So I was just like, that makes sense to me, but nobody got it. And then the most recent one, uh, I don't think anybody's guessed it still, but it's like one of my favorite games. And I think the problem is that like, it's uh, not a super known game. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to dive into the indie world and and chuck this one in and it's not like indie to the point of like uh exclusively on itch.io and like under a hundred downloads like it's 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 you know semi-indie it's still indie it's I feel like indie is a really hard term nowadays because you've got like triple a indie and then you've got like indie with a publisher and then indie you know it's it's like solo indie it's Every game uh, genre needs like a million subgenres behind it. That's the way of things nowadays. Yeah. Like, but, uh, yeah. I've been hearing so many people say their most anticipated indie game is the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. <laughs> and I mean, it's made by like a small studio in France, but they have a publisher, Fox. they have a massive license. I feel like that goes beyond the scope of indie. Yeah, I feel like, and you know, not discrediting anybody, but I also feel like, like it's not an indie game, right? Like, like that is a licensed product. Like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have been around for, I f- okay, I feel like if there's been, uh, if there's been a movie of it, and it's something that there's been multiple games of. Uh, and, you know, just like a, a myriad of things that would put it in the spotlight already, even if you're making like a smaller game for it. I think my point is like, if you've successfully obtained the publishing rights, then I don't think you can call it an indie game anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that's, many stakeholders. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's. But th- then again, I feel like the meaning of indie is just has just warped, you know. And yeah. I wouldn't say that's a bad thing uh, so much, but at the same time, it can sometimes, uh, I think, be difficult for for you know smaller indie developers because like the more focus that we put on those indie games that have publishers behind them, a lot of money behind them big teams behind them or even reasonable teams behind them. Um, it, it probably makes it even harder for these smaller developers, these solo developers, uh, because indie is kind of being filled with people who 
you know, have the money and have the support. But at the same time, I have loved many, many games that have come from indie studios with mm. publishers. So, like, it's hard to be like, uh, oh, this is bad, but also this is good. You know, it's 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 a weird thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, the game was Under Hero, which I love. It's, mm. like, one of my favourite games of all time. And it's not, I feel like not enough people have played it. And it's really funny and it's really weird and really goofy and I want... I want everyone to play Under Hero because every time I say Under Hero, they're like, oh, are you recommending us Undertale again, Ruby? And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's different. It's a different game. <laughs> what platforms is it on? I think it is on. Uh, I know that it's on PC mm. and uh, I'm pretty sure on Mac as well, but it's, uh, I think it's on Switch as, as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, like it's it's on I feel like it's on enough platforms that people should be able to play it. Uh, and it's like one of those perfect Switch games as well. Oh, like, yeah. you know, those games that come out on PC and it's like, yeah, this is good. Like, this is fantastic. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And then it comes out on a handheld console and it's like, oh, now I get it. All right. Yeah. This fits. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. There was a game like that recently, but I cannot remember. Which one it was specifically? It's killing me. <laughs> it'll come to me. Yeah, it'll come to you. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, so uh, another question. I mean, you kind of brushed on it, but this is one of the dangers or challenges of writing is, you know, dealing with comments. Sometimes they're not yeah. as constructive. And how do you kind of process that? I've kind of got a pretty thick skin for it now. Like I've gotten the odd comment that's, you know, not puzzy vibes, not very cool. Um, And I, at first it would really, um, it would really affect me. I'm really sad. Um, But then I was like, oh, you know what? Like in the long run, how is this really going to affect me? One person saying some doo-doo stuff to me. Like it's, it's, It's very small potatoes and, you know, I, I, I can't I can't make everybody like me. And that's something that's hard to come to terms with because I am an absolute people pleaser and I will try and make everyone like me all the time. But, like, I also have to come to terms with not everybody's going to like me and, and that's okay. And, like, I think I, I knew that coming into Kotaku because, like, they um, – and like I, I, I love Kotaku. I've been reading it for years, but like I, I know the reputation that they've had uh, for the, you know, for say saying stuff that other people wouldn't say, and 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 mm. having those, you know, quote unquote hot takes right. that other people wouldn't have. And like I get where people are coming from, uh, where they're like, oh, you know, bull, not everything's political. And it's like, yeah, but it's all about like opinion and perspective the whole world is based off like opinion and perspective that's what media is like and and then you've got you've got hard-hitting uh news and then you've got opinions and both of those are at Kotaku and like Mm -hmm. you you just got to go for for what you want to read and then leave for the other stuff or read the other stuff and get mad about it like it's it's so, like, I've accepted that, like, there are going to be people that simply uh, 
have come around to get mad mm. and I respect it. And, and people are allowed to disagree with me. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But like, if so, if, if there are comments just coming in to say like, you fucking suck. Like, I hate you. I hate your writing. It's like, well, yeah. I, I got this job through merit. So like, I don't really, I can't really like, oh, okay. You don't like my writing. Don't read it, man. Like, I don't, yeah. I can't control your life. Like it's, it's every time I see a weird comment and I don't, you know what, to be fair, I don't really get a lot of them. Um, and I think it's because I uh, play it incredibly safe mm. um, for now. For now. One day I will be just on an absolute rampage, writing all the hot takes. I'll, I'll, go, right. I'll go mental. Batten down the hatches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody, you know, get in your bomb shelters. I am about to spill my worst, worst takes. No, I, I, you know, I got good takes. I believe in myself. Um, but like, if, if people don't like my stuff, they don't have to read it. Right. And, and if, if they question like, oh, how did you even get this job? It's like, I don't know. I went to uni for like five years and I have uh, five years of experience in media. Like it's, it's very strange, but like, yeah, comments don't really get to me anymore because it's like I kind of just look at them and I go that's kind of that's your opinion man that's uh I don't know what to do with the information that you've given me (laughs) definitely a good way of looking at it yeah so do you think in any way I mean I know like this has been a conversation for years but has mm. video content and social media made like you know written print journalism more difficult in any way for you no that's a very good question and like yeah it's it's weird because it's like you're always trying to find new ways to make written journalism pop uh you know outside of uh like video journalism and and uh audio journalism you know because yeah. like uh videos and podcasts are uh like a lot more comfortable to consume and I say that as someone with a, a an audio production background like making podcasts is heaps of fun and it's also like it, it's it's not easy like it, to make a podcast is not easy at all. Oh, oh no. <laughs> like to listen to one, to listen to a podcast, incredibly easy. It's so easy to listen to a podcast. They are fucking difficult to make. Like it is that you know, I know. Yeah. It's hard. And like live radio, managing that, terrifying, so scary, oh, you know? Man. And and Twitch streaming and and YouTube, like producing a video, even like uh, uh, with with YouTube nowadays, you need to kind of have videos be over that like 10, 15 minute mark or else people aren't going to watch them. Like those short videos have kind of fallen into the background and now people want to watch stuff that is super duper long. And 
Uh, I'm not saying 15 minutes is super duper long, but I am saying that seven hours is super duper long. And I have seen yeah. some seven hour YouTube videos. So like people want, people want to sit down and watch YouTube and uh, cause it's, it's, it's easier to consume, but it's a lot harder to make. And mm. with uh, writing with, with print media, I feel like it's kind of the opposite. And that's not to say like, I got to save my ass here. <laughs> writing is hard. Uh, getting a good writing style is hard. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into getting it published. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, like, in terms of writing versus video producing, which includes writing. That's true. Uh, there's there's less to do. And, you know, all all journalists and all artists and all creatives are equal. They're, they're all equal, all valid. But in my personal experience, making videos is a lot harder than writing. And in terms of consuming them, writing can sometimes be a lot more difficult because, like, if you're reading something that's personal opinion, if, like, I don't like reading uh, something that is uh, too filled with jargon, especially mm. academic jargon. Yeah. If it's a story that doesn't call for like super formal writing, I find it really difficult to read. Like yeah. if it's, if it's like super like, uh, uh, I don't know, straighty, I find it really difficult because it's like there doesn't need to be this many words. Uh, it doesn't need to be waxed this lyrically, and yet it is, and it's harder to get the point across, which is, like, why I, I the, like, the way I write is based off of the way I'm able to consume media, which is, like, I find it easier to consume, uh, you know, video game news specifically when it's given to me very simply and very conversationally and maybe with a joke here and there, you know, like I find it a bit easier to consume uh, that information. And it's, I feel like with you, the, 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 I don't know what, I feel like both video and audio platforms and writing platforms, they both serve their purpose in the sense of like, if you're looking for something that's like, got that audio visual aspect um, or just audio aspect and is more in depth and has a clear tone to it because you can literally hear people talking. Um, I'd say, you know, the best thing to do is go to YouTube, but there are, there are very few times you see uh news being broken like video game news in particular being broken on youtube before it's broken on let's say twitter or even on a video game news website like it's just a lot easier to get stuff out on uh on written platforms you know so i feel like they both serve their purpose but in the sense of like uh kind of crisscrossing i feel like if an article uh, on a, a video game website could work as a YouTube video, I feel like people are going to be more interested in watching a YouTube video about it than like 
like a, let's say 2000 word article. Yeah. And that, that, that's just from like personal experience and people I've talked to, like it's, it's, it's a lot easier to consume, uh, but it's a lot harder to make. So it's like, it's, it's interesting. I think they both serve their purpose, but there are definitely things that can be done better on YouTube. It's just that it takes a whole lot more time. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I think it has a lot to do with like storytelling and narrative mm. focus and they each tell the story in different ways. Mm. Big time. Like it's, it's like comparing, uh, I don't know if this is going to sound right, but it's like comparing a, a script to a finished movie. Mm. Like, cause, cause the thing is you can very easily, uh, turn you can cut they, they can go both ways like you can very easily turn an article into a YouTube video I've seen it done many times before like there are plenty of YouTubers who will find an article or do their research and get multiple articles and put it all into a YouTube video and kind of just read it out uh, yeah. but in their own way so it's you know it's not them just like copy and pasting it's very much like they're uh, there's a word for it in media, which I've completely forgotten, but like, there's a word for like taking an article and turning it into a video mm. and you can do vice versa. Like you can find like a YouTube video and then write an article, uh, kind of on the same thing. But I feel like that's a bit more taboo just cause like with the YouTube video, clearly like there's so much time and effort being put into not just writing the script, which would, you know, pretty much just be the article, uh, but also, you know, the visuals and the audio and like timing and, and everything like so much work gets put into it. So sometimes it feels uh, it, 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 to me, at least it feels a little dirty seeing like a, a what's a would be a fantastic YouTube video uh, being kind of whittled down, but that's just me personally, you know, no hate to anybody that does that, but like, it's, it's a weird thing of like, they're, they're very different platforms. Sure. Uh, and sometimes they adopt from each other, but I feel like they both, uh, yeah, they're both their own special thing. You know, I don't think either of them are going anywhere. You know, I think people still get a lot of their like breaking gaming news from, uh, like video game news websites like Kotaku, IGN, um, Press Start in Australia is really good, Games Hub. Um, I, I'm Every time I try and think of other gaming news websites, the first ones that come to my mind are Australian ones. Mm. So I'm just like racking my brain for other ones. Uh, GameSpot, I oh. always, the, the thing the thing is with America, I always get GameStop and GameSpot oh, mixed up. Oh, it is up. so confusing. Ugh. Yeah. I thought they were owned by the same person. <laughs> it's, well, they it's own so Game long. Informer, the magazine. GameStop Game store owns the magazine. Yeah, yeah. The only it's, gaming it's... magazine that still exists. Really? At least over here, as far as I know. Wow. It's like Aside from like fanzines, that's like the only dedicated gaming magazine. And it's, I think, 
pri primarily because it's sold yeah. and the subscriptions are sold at GameStop. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like gaming magazines, they're really big in the UK yeah. uh, still, but like in uh, Australia and, and in the States, they've kind of, they've, they've flopped, they've, they've fell off, which is a shame. Cause like, I remember being a kid and uh, getting, I think it was Endgamer like all oh. the time. Yeah. It's yeah. my favorite magazine. Um, and like, I loved those video game magazines because sometimes, sometimes they'd have a demo disc inside of them every oh, now and then. Yeah. And then that's when I would be like, yes, go cool. insane for it. I and actually, I recently had, I, for my college thesis, I wrote about like an old game that I really loved that, and like did like a story analysis. And I got out of the blue, reached out to by a guy in France. And he said, we have this gaming magazine and I'd love if we could translate your article, your article into French and publish it in the magazine. And I was like, I'd be honored. <laughs> That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Wow. No, that's all. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's cool as well because it's like, you can have this incredibly niche little interest um, or not even niche, but you can have this interest in, in a game or in like a game community or, or even just like a, a very specific sub genre. Right. Particularly. You can have this interest and, and, you know, dive deep into it and think like nobody, no, nobody's going to think about this the way that I think about this. Uh, and then, you know, someone from the complete other side of the world, is like, no, I give a shit. I give a shit. And I think it's fantastic. And it's cool. Like, you know, the world wide web and, and the, the beauty of globalization means that, you know, all the things that we think we're the only person that's into it, we find that we're not. And then we can share in that excitement, which, you know, it's really cool. It really is. Yeah. Uh, so you've also had the opportunity to interview a lot of cool people, developers uh, recently, yeah. professional wrestlers. Oh um, my God. <laughs> so a question I've always wondered about interviewing people is that oftentimes, you know, like guests will have like a product coming out that they want to talk about. It could be a movie, like yeah. talk shows. It could be a game. It could be a TV show. And so when you're asking questions, how do you balance talking about like the thing of the day with just questions that the people want to know? Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's really hard because like a lot of people will come on to talk about a very specific thing. And uh, I think because I've, I've been, you know, I've been interviewing for years now with uh, uh, my old radio show and stuff like that. Like that's where kind of my interviewing roots started. Mm. Um, and then when I came into Kotaku, I was like, I want to do interviews. Like I want to talk to people. I feel like we're not talking to enough people. <laughs> like I, I wanted to get out there and talk to developers and stuff, especially indie developers. Cause the best part yeah. about talking to indie developers is that they're so excited. They're so excited to talk about their game and like all they want to do is just unload. And I'm like, that's awesome. 
because like it's it's so cool seeing someone so passionate about something that they've made and that's why I love talking to indie developers exactly. uh but like sometimes like with with I feel like it's a case-by-case basis hey so like with indie developers I will let them talk about whatever they want like if they want to talk about their game, if they want to talk about how they started, like I will, I will let them unload. It's, it's so funny. The amount of times I've been in an interview with an indie dev and they've been like, um, do you like, what do you, how much do you want me to say with each question? And I'm like, say as much as you want, <laughs> like, yeah. don't hold back. It's, it's very like this fear of like, oh, I don't want to come off as like, you know, I don't want to be too much. And like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, overload you with information. It's like, no, 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 overload me. That's the point is like, we want to learn about what you're making. Like it's, it's, it's this fear that I feel like big developers don't have. So like, it's very interesting. You know, these big developers have a lot of media training and stuff. and, And a lot of these indie developers don't have media training. So you kind of have to work with that as well and uh like ask safe questions but also make sure you're not like uh pushing them into like like my whole thing is like no yes or no questions mm. only questions that people can elaborate on Absolutely. um but like make sure it stays relevant so yeah. like because of that, when I when I can tell that someone might not have media training, I do make the questions super duper specific because it's like, you know, I need them to stay on track. Sure. Uh, and they they always do because like they they want to talk about their game and they love it so much and they love what they do. Um, and it's it's fantastic. But like I think with um interviewing people who you know come on with a purpose it's uh it's very much like you need to take control completely mm-hmm. and like ask a question and make sure they stay on it yeah. <laughs> like and, and not in like a brutal way of course but like like if if like, like something i i would love doing with someone who's very clearly media trained is like listen out for things that they're saying and then grab onto something if mm. I feel like it can it, it can f- further relate to like what I'm planning to talk about. Like with these this pro wrestler uh interviews that I had, um the last wrestler that I talked to, Tony Storm, she's an absolute sweetheart. Um but she was openly like I'm not a gamer, which is mm. like fair enough. You don't have to be it's legal. Uh, but you know, I, I write for a video game website, so I had to find something, but she mentioned that when she was a kid, she used to play the Sims. So the second that she said that, I was like, cool, I'm staying on that. And just started, you know, asking about the Sims and like what expansions she would play and, you know, just going deep into that. And like, it's, it's this weird thing of like, you have to steer the boat or else, uh, they're going to steer it. And sometimes you won't like the direction that it's going in. And it's hard because you don't want to sound rude either. I'm always terrified of sounding rude, um, especially to like a talent that I'm talking to. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, as I said before, I'm a people pleaser. I don't want to upset anybody. So like, I don't want to sound like I'm being too demanding, but 
what people who do interviews realize is like when people are asking them questions, it's not demanding. It's like, it's business, baby. You know, like it's, it's simply how the interview goes. And like, if we got to move on, we got to move on. So I think it's a mixture of like being able to steer the boat, but also knowing that you're the person that you're interviewing understands that you're going to ask more questions than just what is your product and what does it do, you know? Take them totally by surprise. Building on that, I did want to ask, was there ever anything you learned from an interview that really stuck with you? That stuck with me? Oh, my God. Uh, I did an interview with the developer, I think, like, the lead developer from Gibbon Beyond the Trees. Oh, yeah. That is one of the most heartbreaking interviews I've ever done. (laughs) It was so sad, but, like, beautiful because they're making, well, they've made this beautiful game. I'm already about to cry. Uh, This beautiful game about Gibbons and about, you know, how beautiful they are. You know, it's physics based that you you fly through the trees and you, you swing from tree to tree. It's awesome. It's so much fun. But it's also incredibly sad because, like, they originally started by just wanting to make a game about gibbons because the way that they move is incredibly cool. But then they did their research and realized that, like, gibbons are facing, like, uh, you know, endangerment because Mm. of uh, habitat loss and tourism and, like, all these factors which are killing them. Mm. And it's so sad. And the uh god what was this like like when i was doing this interview he was explaining it to me and and like explaining like the research that they had to do and like the non-for-profits that they talked to and what they told him and i was just sitting there like oh my god oh no (laughs) like it's so sad (laughs) and that stuck with me because like i didn't know shit about gibbons i just knew that they were like you know, cool. <laughs> like right. they, they swing on the trees and they're cool. But then I learned that, you know, they face a lot of really hard stuff in in the their environment or lack thereof. So like mm-hmm. that stuck with me a lot. It was really like, I was like, oh my God, I don't even know how to how to deal with that. That's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also I did a really fantastic interview with uh Andrew, he makes uh, the zine Indie Apocalypse, which oh. is such a fantastic zine. Um, it's, you know, it's it's like a, a I feel like I'm using this word wrong. Um, a collation, like like a co- collection. Oh my god! Sorry, I like to like I like to say that I still have COVID brain. I probably don't, but like it makes up for the fact that I am just spacey. Um, Good excuse to know about. It's like a future. yeah yeah. <laughs> It's good. Like anytime you feel like you've gotten something wrong, just be like brain fog. COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Indie Apocalypse, it's like a collection of uh, indie games that have been submitted to uh, Andrew or made for that issue of Indie Apocalypse because they, they sometimes go by like themes and stuff. And it's awesome. It's such a good initiative. It's an online zine uh, through Itch.io and it's, just fantastic and and really nobody's doing it like he is so mm. i have a lot of respect for him um and i think the rest of the indie world does as well 
because like he he's basically just like honed in on those uh experiential games and and uh and those games that are heaps of fun but they only go for like two three hours and Mm. he's like i you know i want to spotlight those and it's 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 super cool and like I think just his passion for getting that stuff out there uh, was um, it, it stuck with me because it's like I love uh, I love seeing what uh, comes out of the video game world that isn't just like AAA stuff. Like mm. I like seeing you know what people have made all on their own or in little groups. You know, and uh, the fact that you know he's got this zine that's been going for quite a while and it's showcased so much like incredible small talent like i i I admire him so much (laughs) so much and uh and just just his passion um and what he does really stuck with me like yeah i I think he's, he's very very cool and and i like it also kind of i guess uh, open my eyes even a, a, a little bit more on like the the indie gaming world uh and made me kind of it made me bookmark itch.io and look at it like every week oh yeah i can't stop i'm like constantly going back to itch.io and like saying all right what's new <laughs> what else can i can i get and play for two hours and feel like my whole perception of something's been changed <laughs> <laughs> constant fountain of cool stuff mm. from there absolutely yeah you've also mentioned that you're, you're really passionate about spotlighting the australian gaming scene in particular are there any like really great up-and-coming teams there you want to shout out oh gosh that's hard um hungry sky is fantastic they they uh, release Neko, uh, oh God, Necograms. It's a mm-hmm. phone game. Uh, they released that was either late, late last year or early this year. But like, they're fantastic. I did an interview with them and they're just really, really sweet, lovely group of people. And uh, they their games are really cute. And uh, I think they're fantastic. I feel like there are a lot of solo developers in Australia as well. Like Calestia's fantastic. Uh, he does a lot of like really politically charged, like left wing games that mm-hmm. are uh, just so well done. And, and his most recent game, Scotty Goes to Centrelink, uh, when it blew up, uh, rightfully so, because it's very, very silly and very funny. And so many people mm-hmm. were like, uh, oh, you know, because because Scott Morrison, our prime minister, recently lost the election. Uh, and, uh, Calestia's game was about him having to go on, uh, welfare payments. And (laughs) so, uh, and the thing is, is like our welfare system is, you know what, it's better than, um, other countries, but in saying that the bar is low and it's Mm -hmm. not good and it's incredibly difficult to get into, um, and, uh, the government, uh, the past government made it even harder so like it's it's a it's a real funny kind of take on like how difficult uh welfare is uh to get onto and to stay on um 
and, and kind of looking at that through the lens of like uh, this dead shit prime minister who just lost his job. So like it's it's funny, a lot of fun, and Colossio makes really great stuff. Um, so he's fantastic. Uh, S Bug Games are really good as well. They made Webbed, which is a, a little game where you're a spider and you have to save your spider boyfriend who's been taken away by a bird. Oh. Uh, they are fantastic. I love. I love, I love that game so much. I've played webs like a multitude of times now just because like the, the physics of like being a spider and like shooting web and gliding through the air. It's like I could play Spider-Man. I could play Spider-Man and I could play Spider-Man Miles Morales. Like I could do that. Or I could be a little spider and save my little spider boyfriend and cute music is playing and it's pixel graphics. Like what am I, what am I going to choose? I'm going to choose a pixel graphics one because that is my bread and butter. I love it. I live for it. Uh, but yeah, S-Bugs games are fantastic. Um, I'm currently like, I'm, I'm on the hunt a bit because I've gone, uh, I, I mean, I did that interview with the pro wrestlers the other day, but uh, it's been a little dry in terms of uh, getting to interview indie developers. So I'm, I'm on the hunt trying to find more because I want more. I want to talk about their games so badly. Uh, but yeah, there's, it's, it's hard. Cause uh, I mean, the Melbourne indie game scene, it, the, the industry itself is huge and it's cause they get a lot of funding. Um, and it's the same with Queensland as well. They get a lot of funding too. So you see a lot of really good stuff come out of Melbourne and uh, Queensland, like the artful escape oh, and unpacking. Oh yeah. oh yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, like there's so much good indie stuff coming out of Australia that like blows up. And it's I feel like that's really put uh uh like I, I guess a spotlight on Australia in general of just like, hey, we actually make shit over here and it's really good. Please pay attention to us. Huh. But yeah, no, it's it's hard to like I said a few, but it's hard to pick uh it's hard to pick them because it's like, oh, I don't want to have favorites, but also here's a few that I like. <laughs> like Beethoven and Dinosaur, the ones who made um, Artful Escape, they're mm. fantastic. Um, and Witchbeam, who made Unpacking, are incredible. Um, yeah, there's just there's just so much good. And there's so much more, like, outside of just the ones that have, you know, managed to blow up. It's, it's, it's too many. We need less. No, we don't need less. We need more. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's close to the time we have, but I do have one final question for you, Ruby. This is the Pixel Pizza Podcast. What is your favorite pizza place? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, I was in Chicago. Oh. in 2019 and I tried the deep dish pizza oh, yeah. at a place but I can't remember the place but I remember my family telling me that it's like the place in Chicago for deep dish pizza hmm. so uh if there are any Chicago listeners that can identify what the big place to get deep dish pizza in Chicago is it's probably that place yeah but I, I love deep dish pizza was so. on the show uh from Chicago 
uh, Owen from Jackbox and he did, yeah, he mentioned a pizza place. Maybe it was that place because it might be good. that place because I love deep dish <laughs> I don't remember pizza. And all my Australian friends that I've talked to who have tried deep dish pizza, they're like, no, man, what the hell? And I'm like, it's good. It's like a pie. You just, yeah. you just have one slice. Like, it's yummy. It's genius. It's like a mixture of a pizza, a pie, and a lasagna. I don't understand <laughs> what else you'd want. It's genius. But uh, if I had to choose a place that I can remember the name of, yeah, um, I would say, uh, oh, man, probably uh, I was about to say Little Caesars and it's not oh. even true. No. <laughs> it just popped into my head, but I'm like, no, I don't believe that. Um, it's literally, I do yeah. not. Yeah. And they closed down. All of their stores closed down in Australia. Or oh, at least no. I think all of them. Um, I'm going to go with Bar Italia in Leichhardt Ooh. of Sydney, okay. Australia. Uh, because the pizza is good, the pasta is good, and the staff are all very rude unless you <laughs> uh, go there a lot, which I feel like is the true experience. Yeah. And I love it. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much for joining me, Ruby. I had a blast. Uh, where thank you so people... much for having me. Uh, anytime. Where can people keep track of what you do? <laughs> Um, you can find me on uh, kotaku.com.au where I write for Kotaku Australia. Uh, I, you know, I'd be writing the news and sometimes I'd be writing silly little doo-doo things for fun uh, and then also things that I love and things that I don't love. Sometimes I'd be talking about things that I hate. Uh, so you can find me on there at my job. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at Ruby Innes, where I am a little more unhinged, but, uh, still having a fun time. And that's probably it where you can find me. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, uh, this marks the end of another installment of the Pixel Pizza podcast. We are going to lead out with another track from BC Likes You. And that is called Pack a Sandwich. We're going on an adventure. Enjoy that, listeners, and we'll see you next week. Uh-huh.